it is a glorious day as we are going to continue with our Amazon book, Caveman Aliens Ransom, a sci-fi BBW alien-fated mate's romance, number one in a series of many. On, if you want to go back, let me find a, to CMCB episode 26, that was December 16th, uh, that's where we read chapters 1 and 2. This week we are going to continue with ep- uh, chapters 3 and 4. So let's get into it right away. No point in hesitating when there's this much excitement. I'm actually kind of excited to see where it goes. I should recap. The first chapter was the women at a university. They were working on a universal translation device. Very standard science fiction piece of equipment. But very necessary because if they're going to go to another planet where people speak another language, I see some foreshadowing. And that foreshadowing is that they will use the device to speak to, communicate with some local people. They might be aliens. Well, they're definitely aliens to us. We're actually the aliens in this one. That's the bit that I was... It's kind of the technicality. It's like Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. But they might be cavemen. I don't know. Chapter 2, or the end of chapter 1, I believe, is when they were picked up by a big beam... And they looked out, it was like thousands of people, but I assume from the nature of the book so far, it's all women, were picked up. In chapter 2, they are in a cell, and they wake up, and they try to find their way out. At the end of chapter 2, they'd found an X, like a little hole, gotten out through there, and one of them had a gun. They failed to mention that early on, which uh, is problematic, but we're going to get past it. So, Sophia has just been handed a gun. I'm good, I say hurriedly, and show the gun to the other girls up here. Their eyes widen. That should probably do the trick. Uh, There's an assumption. Again, we're dealing with aliens, alien technology. Oh, there you go. Caroline says, unless these guys are bulletproof, which is a fair assumption. You have no idea. Or too small to hit. I mean, these ceilings are ridiculously low, so they've been stooping the whole time. I hold the gun awkwardly out in front of me. Aurora, you're Italian. You have some experience with guns, right? I mean, that's not even racist. It's so dumb. Hey, not every Italian family is in the mafia, she hisses. Mine are bakers, mostly. The mostly actually implies that some of them are in the mafia. Caroline and Amelia both look the other way when I try to hand off the gun to them. I sigh, fine. I'll go first. Two doors are locked. The third slides aside when I get close to it. Ooh, it's, you know, space automatic doors. Beyond is space. Ooh. For a moment, I think I'll die, but there's still air here, and I notice I'm looking either through a huge windshield or at a projection on a giant wall. I see millions of stars against the black infinity of space, and I see our kidnappers. Oh, I'm so happy they're doing this. They're actually going to show us the kidnappers. They're small, gray aliens with huge heads and spindly little arms. These are classic gray aliens. They're sitting in little chairs that appear to grow up from the floor like mushrooms, and they have enormous black eyes with no irises or pupils that I can see. They have two long, bony fingers on each hand. Only two. I mean, usually you need a thumb. I guess those are pincers at that point. There's only four of them, and they're all looking at me. 
I point the gun at the closest one, hoping they know what it is. Yeah, so this ship is turning around and going uh, back to Earth. I try to put up some command and confidence in my voice, but I sound more like Minnie Mouse than anything else. They just stare and don't move. I look behind me. The other girls are bravely staying on the other side of the door, looking in with huge, curious eyes. Guys, come in here. It's the control room. They don't they don't actually know that. They just know the people. These guys, this might be the coffee room. I look at the aliens again. They appear frozen. They're not even blinking. I said, turn this thing around right now. They don't react. I hope I don't have to fire the gun to get my point across. I have a feeling that actually shooting inside a spaceship is, may not be the best idea. And I don't like loud noises myself. This is actually very true. Uh, because... I assume, again, the level of technology they're working with, that it could actually handle it, but if a small hole is made in a spaceship, it will uh, suck all the air out and basically all the things in it with it. I can feel the other girls behind me now. Then one of the aliens moves his finger a fraction and I freeze, as in, I can't move at all. I try to turn around to check the other girls, but I can't. I'm frozen with my arm and gun pointing straight forward, and I notice that even if I could move my index finger enough to pull the trigger... It wouldn't hit, I wouldn't hit any of the aliens. The freeze starts to hurt. I don't know if it's because of the awkward position or if the aliens are punishing me for this hijacking attempt, which was a terrible one. Going in and shouting at people is not how you're going to take over the ship. She actually should have tried to take out. She said there were three or four. Take them out one at a time. Maybe do a little you know, reconnaissance, some observation, see what they're doing. It's pretty poor. A wave of intense pain. I guess they're not, you know military people or anything. I don't know where my expectations are. But if you're if you're just jumping on aliens, you should assume it's going to go bad. A wave of intense pain shoots from my feet to my head and back again. Shit. Definitely being punished. I can hear myself groan, and that's all the control I have over my body, and that groan was pretty involuntary. The pain travels up and down me two more times, and then it's over. I would scream in pain if I could, but I can't even draw breath. Am I even breathing? No, I'm not. And now the pain in my chest is not artificial torture, but due to my lungs being desperate for air. I fight mentally to gain control of my body, and I definitely panic. But I'm paralyzed. Tunnel vision is setting in. And that's the last thing I see before I pass out. No. And the last thing I see before I pass out is the star in the middle of the huge view screen in the control room. I can see planets in orbit around it, looking like little stars themselves. The star is yellow. It reminds me of the sun and a blue and the blue point of light in the perfect center of the view screen reminds me of Earth. Did they turn the ship around after all? Oh, no, baby, they didn't. When I come to again, the girls are kneeling around me. Some are weeping quietly. Others are talking in very serious tones. The almost light atmosphere from before is gone. It's the cargo room, of course. I glance over at a round hatch. It's closed again. Heidi follows my gaze. Yeah, that's well and truly locked now. It won't budge. I suddenly remember that it's weird that the aliens wouldn't have an automatic locking feature. Like, it's weird that it was left open, which means it was not closed properly in the first place. You think if you're going to put even just cattle in there, you want to make, it would be locked. And they're at a level of technology where it could be automatically locked. I suddenly remember that I wanted to breathe and gasp mightily a couple of times. There, there, Amelia says, and pats my back. You're not paralyzed anymore. I take some deep breaths, luxuriating and being able to, despite the stench in the room. 
Where are the others? The girls exchange glasses. Glances. <laughs> they don't exchange glasses. The girls exchange glances. We're fine. We, we were beamed down here again at the same time you were. You got it worse than us, bud. I can see it's something bad that they're not telling me. What? Let me hear it now. Don't make me go in and dread it. It's Elysia, Aurora said mildly. They beamed her out of here, then beamed her right back, and she... She gestures to the other side of the room, and there's someone on the floor there. Yes, it could be Alicia, the Russian girl, but she has something over her face, and everyone is keeping their distance. Shit, I say as I lay my head down, and I understand what's happened. They killed her. Caroline crosses her arms over her chest and shudders. She was dead when she was beamed back, and I can, it can only have been a couple of seconds. She didn't suffer. Punishment for rebellion, I wheeze, although I really want to scream. She was right. She didn't deserve that. She was not the bitch here. Shit. I'm sorry. I'm still lightheaded from the lack of oxygen, but I feel new tears pressing in my eyes and my throat is closing up again. A stone has settled in the pit of my stomach. No one deserved that, Heidi says. We all did our best to escape. We didn't know what would happen. And you were totally brave. You did the right... They're so supportive. I mean, the girls are so supportive of each other. One of them's just died, and they're all like, no, nah, you did your best. You're good. You're good. You did the right thing. We just couldn't know. This time I let some tears flow without choking it all back right away. I may be the happy-go-lucky one, but I'm still only human. That hijacking attempt was my idea. It was insanely stupid. I actually said that already. And now Elysia is dead because of it. That's right, and it is 100% your fault, and you should feel guilt forever. So what do we do, Aurora starts, but then there's a loud bang and a hard jolt and the whole room begins shaking. From the outside, there's a droning noise that soon becomes a roar so loud that we have to shout to talk. I think we're falling down through the air, Caroline yells into my ears. We must be landing. If so, it's pretty uncontrolled landing, Aurora screams, and she's right. We all have to scramble to hold onto the floor because the whole room shakes so bad. Then we're all pressed to the floor as it hits thicker air and it decelerates very hard. I think they dumped us, Caroline shouts. Now we're falling through the atmosphere of a planet. Do you think it might be Earth? There's. This is a weird thing to be having a conversation. I think people in this situation would just be screaming. Like, I don't think they... You could have these thoughts. I don't think they would start continuing conversation about their their thoughts and suppositions. I just shrug. I thought you were hanging onto the floor. So you're like... Ah, I just shrug. I suppose it could be but I have a strong feeling it's not. We fall for probably less than two minutes, but it seems much longer. Two minutes for falling is a really long time. Finally, it feels like we're slowly drifting to the ground, and then there's a hard jolt and a bang when we're down. We all just sit in silence for a while, just waiting for something else to happen. I guess we landed, Heidi says, and I think we can get out if we want. She points to a part of the wall where there have suddenly appeared a pulsating circle of yellow light. Who wants to be first? I slowly get to my feet on knees that shake and I notice I still have the gun. Well, that's not very, very convenient. I guess, again, the aliens have hit such a level of technology that the gun is not a threat to them so they have no problem leaving with them. This actually confirms an earlier theory kind of that a gun is pointless if they've hit that level of technology. So that's they probably didn't even check them for guns because they're like, well, there's no weapon you have. When we write science fiction stories, that kind of... Uh, Belief is always the downfall of the aliens, that hubris, which is quite nice. And I feel guilty as hell about Elysia, 
I recruited her to the translator lab group. I selfishly kept everyone working the lab when I really should have sent them home hours before the aliens came. This doesn't even make sense. And if I'd planned that hijacking a little better, yes, and maybe waited this out instead of jumping into action the first chance I got, she might still be alive, yes. I should probably just face that I'm not the cheerful optimist of the group like I wanted to. I'm the bitch. I'll go. This whole, like, I'm setting a role for myself is a pretty weak premise. They just need to... She, author just needs to get past that. It's not adding to the story, you know, assigning herself roles. Heidi puts a hand on my knee. Don't feel like you have to do this, Sophia. One of the other ones can go this time. I give her a smile and I hope is at least a little wry, but I suspect it's just a hopeless grimace. Hey, I have the gun. Want to fight me for it? Totally nonsensical statement to make at that moment. I get to the door and push a button beside it. It gives easily and then the door slides and rolls aside to reveal whatever's outside. Hot air hits my face. The stench of rotting vegetation is very strong. Everything is green. The sky is blue. I I mean, they don't talk about atmosphere, or are they going to in a second? I half turn my head. You know, guys, this actually could be Earth. Looks like a jungle. Then I stiff then I stiffen. There's movement among the leaves. I lean out and peer closer. Two big leaves part, and then I'm suddenly looking to the eye into an eye from very close. It's a big eye, and beyond it, shit! I yelp, then stumble backwards and fall on my butt on the metal door. Then I bounce up again and slap the button to close the door. It clangs shut. I turn around, my heart beating like crazy in my ears. All the women are staring at me. I swallow. This has just gone from bad to worse. On second thought, I don't think this is Earth, because I think I just saw, I shake my head. No, it can't be. But what is it? But it was. What? Caroline yells. I take a deep breath. A dinosaur. Ah! The ends of the chapters are very good uh, cliffhangers. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be hypercritical of things about the the story because it's a free Amazon book and I'm here to make fun of it, but the cliffhangers at the end of every chapter are just... She knows how to end each part. She's actually like cordoned it off properly each bit of the story. Because I now want to continue and see what happens. So we had abduction, reception of gun, uh, seeing a dinosaur. Like that's the end of each of those chapters. Those are all great endings for chapters. So we'll keep going. We're going to go to chapter four. See how long we've been going. Oh, that's about right. The silence inside the alien cargo compartment is deafening for three heartbeats. Then they all react in their own way. Some start talking loudly, some start sobbing, and some frown in disbelief. Amelia is among the latter ones. A dinosaur? Are you sure? My heart is still beating so fast and hard I can feel it in my whole body. Pretty sure. I mean, it was huge, and I'm not sure how to describe it because I'm basing my dinosaur theory mainly on the hugeness and the feeling I got when I looked at it. But if I was looking a million years back in my... As if I was looking a million years... As if I was looking millions of years back in time. Well, it looked like a dinosaur, I add lamely. The girls exchange glances. Okay, Caroline says. The thing is, we don't have anything in here. No food and no water. There's no plumbing in here. And some of us really have to go, like, now. Ideally, not in here. Actually, this is some good thinking. Who's this? Caroline. Caroline's pretty sensible. That metal structure is probably the safest place they have. They is one question because it sounds like they have an automatic door. Does it have 
an internal power supply that will like recharge. So is it solar powered, let's say. Because there are two options. One, the door gets stuck open, in which case it's less defensible, but still better than nothing. But if it gets stuck when it's closed, you guys are fucked because you can't get out of there anymore. So actually, they kind of want to keep the door open because uh, if you think about the battery that's keeping it going right now, it could die. And then if it was closed, they never open it again. We don't know if it's manual. They don't seem to have said anything about manual anything. Again, these are aliens, so they might just be able to charge stuff with their thoughts. Who knows? So you'd, it would actually be better to create a, open the door, leave it open, and create a barrier that you have control over. Uh, but use that as a base of operation. So Caroline seems to have the right idea. You don't want to poop in there because you're probably going to be living in there for a while, and it is the safest place you got right now. I just nod. I understand all of her points. It's all very convincing. It's just that I saw a dinosaur, and I'm not super keen on looking into a giant yellow eye like that again. Aurora straightens her white lab coat. We really have to get out of here so we know more about where we are. We have to somehow do something about her, too. She nods towards Alicia's dead body. At the very least, put her outside before she starts smelling. I think this room is heating up pretty fast. Hey, I hate having to say it, but someone has to. They're very practical. And practical yet while caring of each other's emotions, which is what, this is where men would fail in this situation. Like they would start yelling and giving orders to each other and jockeying for position, but they wouldn't really consider each other's feelings or apologize for the awful things they have to say. It's something we can learn from the team in Caveman Aliens Ransom. All right, a woman calls from further back in the room and comes forward. You lab coat girls have had your fun, and you pretty much killed us all with your assholery. Let the adults take over now. What the fuck is this coming from? I think I'm seeing a red shirt. She's going to come out with bravado, go outside, and get eaten by a dinosaur to establish that there are dinosaurs and it is dangerous. Will my prediction come true? Let's find out. She comes over to me. She's tall and probably about 35. I vaguely recognize her as one of the roaming security guards on campus, but she's not in uniform and she has no weapon that I can see. She's just wearing jeans and a t-shirt like the aliens just took her out of her own living room while she was lounging. She's pretty bulky and tattooed, and I get the feeling that if the ceiling hadn't been so low, she would have towered over me. I'm not usually intimidated by women, but this one is doing her damnedest and getting a little too close for comfort. You want to get out of my fucking way? She sneers, then pushes me aside and hits the button on the door. This is, yes. This is a character that's been introduced to play this role and doing a great job. This is very much a sort of TV level writing, which is not a bad thing. It slides aside and she leans out looking around. Where's that dinosaur of yours, science girl? Oh, man. And it's also like... uh, condescending too you don't think it could have been a tree you saw she steps over the threshold and pushes some greenery aside i clench the gun on my hand any second now she will see the creature she just stands there and looks around in all directions come on out you guys any dinosaur here is just a fantasy it's just plants and trees i stand plants and trees mean bugs and if you're on an alien planet every one of those bugs you have to assume is poisonous I actually would be almost more afraid of bugs than I am of dinosaurs. I think I could manage to, you know, not fight, but outwit or hide from dinosaurs better than I could from bugs. And it's the bugs that are going to get you. It's an interesting thing to think about if you're on an alien planet. Because you don't know if you can even eat the, the, the trees or the plants. Like, what can you eat? What, can, what is okay? What is acceptable? 
I mean, I guess you have to start assuming everything is poisonous. That's actually now something I want to read about. How would you go around testing food to make sure it was safe to eat? I stand back and some of the girls come up to the door and look outside before they gingerly take a step out onto the ground. It's covered in fresh and rotting leaves. Caroline flashes me an apologetic smile when she passes. When you gotta go, you gotta go, she says. And that's true, of course. I kind of have to go myself. I take one careful step outside and look around. The dinosaur is gone. Did I just imagine it? Nope. No way. That was a living eye I was looking into, bright yellow with deep, dark pupils. The skin around it looked thick and rough like elephant skin, except different, very different. And I think I spotted some things that looked like feathers. Oh, they've accepted the feather theory for dinosaurs. Now, these are alien planet dinosaurs, so they don't actually necessarily have to adhere to any of the rules of the Earth dinosaurs. That's very important to remember as we proceed forward, because as critical as I might be, Once you put something on an alien planet, you can change all the stuff we know as much as you want. Dave might be sleeping. There are some tinkling noises from all around. That actually makes it sound quite nice. Like just a little mini, mini, mini. But again, mistake, you want to make sure you all pee and sort of like you have like a trough or something so that it's, you know, doesn't seep back into your living space. For a moment, and I think there may be, there's running water close by. Then Caroline steps out from behind a bush, and I realize a lot of girls had to go and are making the most of the opportunity right now. I probably should, too. I walk behind a bush of my own and look back at the thing we've been inside. It's not a flying saucer anymore, just part of it, like a giant squat and shiny tuna can that the label's fallen off. The aliens just jettisoned us like we were trash. <laughs> when it crashed, it flattened some trees and made a hole in the leafy canopy of treetops. The sky is blue, the sun looks yellow enough, like our own sun, except this one seems larger, or closer. Maybe that's why it looks, maybe that's the way it looks in the tropics? This could still be Earth for all I know, except for the dinosaur. I take a chance on using one of the nearby leaves as toilet tissue. That is a big mistake, and it doesn't appear to sting me. (sighs) The rotted leaves would be better. Would they? Fuck, I don't know. I need someone with, I guess, biology or someone who studied this kind of thing to actually let me know, like a survivalist. Would it be safer to wipe your butt with a, a leaf that was still like fresh or a leaf that had been dead? Because my thinking, my logic, I'm not saying this is correct, is that the leaf, let's say the leaf is poison. If it's still alive, the poison would be, you know, vigorous. Whereas if it was dead, the poison might be dead with it. But then there is the immediate other thought, maybe the poison comes from the rotting flesh of the leaf. So that's problematic. Okay, anyways. On the other hand, it's not too effective either. So she wiped her butt with a leaf and it didn't sting her butt. It wasn't a very good butt wipe. Finally, the kidnapped women are lounging outside. Some are sitting down. Some are standing in loose groups. We Six translator girls are standing around in a huddle. No one's too talkative, and we all keep looking over our shoulders. Things are too uncertain, I guess. Well, someone has to say something, and since I've turned up turned out to be the bitch of the group, I don't really have... Fuck this. I actually am finding this bit annoying. I put the gun in one pocket, making mental note to give it back to whoever it belongs to. Well, the good news is that we have air, and that it's not too cold... Also, that we're alive. Most of us, I mean. You didn't need to say that. I look towards the door to the can we came in and take a deep breath. Yeah, I guess I'll start digging a grave for 
For Elysia, I force myself to say her name. The guilt is getting worse, and I feel all numb inside. Heidi puts a hand on my arm, and I'm grateful for the look of the understanding in her eye. We'll all dig. It's just... Dave has fallen asleep, and he's now snoring a little bit. I'm grateful for the look of understanding in her eyes. We'll all dig. It's just It just has to be done, and we'll share the burden. You didn't kill her, Sophia. Those aliens did. I wonder if they, if like in the last one, they get like revenge on the aliens. That'd be interesting. Damn right, Caroline agrees. We're all in this together, and no one blames you for any of this. The other girls express support, and I give them a thankful smile. It's not making much of an impact on my guilt, but I'm glad they're trying. Thanks, guys. Shall we just get it over with? There's a lot of sticks and old branches lying around, and we each find one and start digging into a flat spot on the ground, 50 feet from the tuna can we came in. The ground is loose and pretty easy to dig in, so we don't have a shallow grave ready. Oh, so we soon have a shallow grave ready. Yep. Now, I mean, this is, again, pretty sensible. You want to bury it further away. Uh, it's going to attract animals. That's problematic. We lean on... Actually, they should burn the body. I know it's probably not the right thing to say, but they need to start a fire as well. They don't know how long, uh, how cold it gets at night. We lean on our sticks and a row wipes sweat off her brow. Guys, just for the record... This is the most terrible thing I've ever had to do. Well, this was nothing, Amelia says. Now we actually have to put her in here. They make it sound like it's, oh, I hate this. I, this is, it's about to get worse. Heidi scratches her head. Yeah, should we, though? I mean, what if this is Earth and we're just a half a mile from a city or town of some kind? I'm sure the forensics guys would hate it if they had to dig her up again. It's not Earth, Delia says flatly. These plants are share no characteristics with Terran species. Ooh except for the chlorophyll. They're entirely alien. And that sun in the sky is about 30% larger or closer than the sun is to Earth. Further, this planet rotates faster than Earth. Notice the shadows on the ground moving faster than back home. Finally, the gravity is slightly lower. It's a little easier to move here. She bends at the knees and then jumps straight up. Yes, I'd estimate the gravity is about 90% of the ones on Earth. So for the moment, they're actually stronger than the like someone of equal strength uh, on the planet. That doesn't make sense. Someone born and there was like equal capabilities on either planet, they would actually be 10% stronger and stuff. They could uh, overpower a small man physically, which is interesting. Uh, but of course, the picture the, on the cover has demonstrated that these are not small men, these cavemen that we're going to be running into. They're all jacked as shit. We all just look at her in silence for a moment. No one likes to be the bearer of bad news. It's pretty hard to dislike Delia. I can almost see us all sagging a little bit at the shoulders. I guess we were all hoping we hadn't actually left our home planet. Caroline clears her voice. Well, we can't ask for a clearer answer than that. Let's just get her. We'll feel better afterwards. As it turns out, we don't feel that much better when we've placed Elysia in her grave and filled it back up. We keep sniffing and weeping while we do it. and It's pretty terrible that I can feel that this is traumatizing me pretty bad. But finally, she's in there and there's a mound of alien dirt over her. We don't know if she was religious, but we place rocks in a cross shape on the mound as a way to mark it. Maybe we should say some words? I'm interrupted by an excited yell from further away in the woods. The tall woman who, is, who was first to leave for the can for real comes crashing through the vegetation. Hey, come here and look! We all follow her in among the tall trees and the strange bushes until we make until we see what made her excited. It's the view from a cliff that we're suddenly on. 
We're apparently on a mountain in the jungle. From this point, we can see the landscape around. It's all jungle and huge trees, green and purple and yellow, all the way to the horizon. Pretty nice, I say. I shield my eyes with, the, with my hand. Looks deserted to me. Yeah, yeah, says the woman. It's a jungle. Big whoop. But this is more exciting. She walks to the edge of the forest and points triumphantly. Now that can't be natural. We follow and peer among the trees. There's a large pile of rocks, rough, roughly cone-shaped, and very carefully constructed, like masonry. <gasps> a whole lot of wooden spears are stuck into it, its sides, pointing straight out like the bristles on a round hairbrush. It really can't, Caroline agrees. Agrees. Some kind of beacon? Clearly man-made, the tall woman says and walks into the woods again. I'm going to see if there's more. Meanwhile, you lab geniuses should try to get lost. No one will miss you. Oh, fuck, that's awful. That is absolutely just bullshit. There's no way you would start treating each other like this. I guess I'm saying that because I'm trying to be a reasonable human being. But like insulting a group of people because they're smart, that's actually dumb. I guess that speaks for itself, I guess. She soon disappears in among the trees and bushes. Delia takes a step forward and studies the mound from ten feet distance. No, she says thoughtfully, that's not a beacon. You can't burn anything in it. It has no obvious practical function. But similar things exist on Earth. It's a message. Sharp spears pointing outwards. That usually means stay away. We all look at each other and then at the dense jungle around us. It suddenly looks much more threatening. If something doesn't want us to be here. Let's get back to the ship, Aurora says. It's our home base, more or less. We have to think of what to do. I, I don't like this place. It makes my skin crawl. As soon as the words leave her mouth, there's a blood-curdling scream from the woods, and we all freeze. Then there's a flapping sound in the air, and something comes flying out of the woods. Something big. Oh, fuck. We're getting one fuck per chapter, if you haven't been keeping track. I hear myself say before I throw myself on the ground and turn around to keep an eye on the thing. It's a huge bat. No... It reminds me more of the flying dinosaurs with the bat wings and all the long heads and beaks with sharp teeth. Except this one has four wings and two tails that remind me of sharks. Ooh. The beak is long, though, and it's clearly more than big enough to comfortably carry the tall, unpleasant woman in it. She's still screaming, and I feel a chill go down my back. That's the worst sight I've ever seen, and I want to cry. Looks like a pterodactyl, Delia says from beside me, except they're clearly not completely different in most respects. Very interesting. We might be the first to discover it. Um, not at all concerned. This is now the Spock. I think I actually said that last time. This is the Spock of the group because she's not like torn up about the fact that someone's just been kidnapped, well kidnapped, uh, taken as prey right in front of her. Them, Amelia corrects her because now we can see that there's more than just one. There's a whole flock of gigantic not pterodactyls coming out of that jungle. The woman's scream is cut off like a switch, and I see her hanging limply in the beak of the terrible monster as it flaps lazily away. Then I see that the flock of those things, again, exactly as I said, though, used they, they introduced a red shirt just so they could kill him to prove that this place is dangerous. Then I see that the flock of those things isn't following the leader. No, they're circling back, back towards us. Oh, fuck, that's a second fuck. Fuck, I gasp as I scramble to my feet with jerky, panicky movements. I've never felt my skin crawl like this before. Run! More of the girls have had the same idea, and suddenly we're all running for our lives in the direction of our tuna can. The not-dactyls, that's pretty good, scream, and I stumble and then almost fall headlong into the tree trunk because that screechy noise is the worst I've ever heard. Nails on a chalkboard is soothing, 
is a soothing Enya song compared to this. Enya gives us a little bit of insight into the age of the author. It goes through my bones and makes me feel like death itself is right on my tail, which of course is totally true. I can hear the other girls running alongside me and behind me. A couple of them are in front of me, too, both wearing white lab coats. That means that most of the kidnapped women are behind me. I'm both relieved and frightened by that, because on one hand, the not-dactyls will eat the stragglers first, but on the other hand, I want all of us to make it. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that you're going to survive because you're not the slowest one. That's pretty awful, but it's also, yeah, that's the way it works. But even I realize that right now, it's each woman for herself. I hear someone scream in terror behind me, but I don't turn around. I know what's happened. One of them got taken. Maybe you could pop a, shoe, a few shots off with the gun you have in your pocket. Then there's another scream of despair and another. The swarm is descending and picking us off one by one. I run as fast as I can towards the trees that are the densest, hoping that they can't follow me there. The not-dactyls are the size of big pickup trucks, and their wingspan is 20 feet at least. I zigzag between alien tree trunks and try to keep my speed up, but my throat is closing up from the panic and sadness and anger and just pure terror, and I was never the most athletic chick on campus. Use this chick again, which I'm very suspicious means this isn't written by a woman. But they're on top of a mountain, and one thing I learned, I did a judo competition in Colorado, and because I was so high, I basically, after about two minutes, gassed out. So that's actually another sort of side thing they could put in there, is that when you uh, are up high, you don't get as much oxygen. If you don't get as much oxygen, you won't be able to run. That, that would give another reason for her to do that. Or the, the spot character can point that out. It would be interesting. Then I have to stop. There's running water straight ahead. My shoes slide on the ground and I fall on my butt as I desperately try to break my speed before I fall in. I manage to stop at the bank with both feet in the water, then jerk them back before any terrible water monster can bite them off. I don't trust this planet one bit. Again, that's actually pretty good thinking. I turn around and look behind me. Yeah, the not-dactyls have a little more trouble flying among the trees, and I can see some white lab coats fluttering through the woods ahead of them. I take three breaths, and then I'm back to running. I can see the metallic shimmer of the tuna can in the distance. How far did they go? It sounds like they took like a jaunty little walk, but it's like a 20-minute run back to the place. I can see the metallic shimmer of the tuna can in the distance, and I speed up even more, jumping over roots and bushes and knowing that I can't keep this up much longer. My lungs ache and my legs protest with every terror-stricken step. Then I hear another not-dactyl stream behind me, close behind me, and I can hear the beating of the bat-like wings and how it makes the leaves on the trees rustle when it passes them. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I throw a glance behind me. The beak is wide open. The teeth are ugly and brown and its gape of slimy and grayish pink. Yep, that one is coming for me. Then I swear I can feel my heart in my mouth as I spot my dinosaur right ahead of me. The one I saw from the tuna can. Yep, that's the one. The yellow eye is unmistakable. Now I can see the rest of it too. It has three legs and a round massive body with scales and feathers here and there. It's about the size of a bus and has a short thick neck that supports its immense head. Now I understand why that yellow eye made me such a, made such an impression on me. It's the size of a car tire, and it's only the it's the only one the teachers got. So these are not even dinosaurs that we recognize at all. One big eye right in the middle of its head, and right in the middle of its face, or rather, right in the middle between its two huge mouths. Multiple mouths, man. That's confusing. Yeah. Two mouths would not be beneficial. It's not a mouth on either side of your face. It would be better to have one big mouth than two mouths. 
This is something I'll have to think about. I scrub with my feet and instinctively make myself as small as I can. I'm right between two dinosaurs, and at least one of them wants to eat me. Fuck. Third fuck this chapter. This is it for me. I kneel down and hug myself as I wait for one of them to snag me and chew me good. I'm so paralyzed I'm not even sobbing. There's no way out of this. Then a flash of an idea goes out, goes through my mind. The gun. Uh... I mean, that is a good cliffhanger. So I'm not going to continue. So chapter five and six next time. But yes, the fact that she forgot she had a gun constantly is almost purposeful. Just like introducing that red shirt character. Oh, Dave's asleep. I really don't want to disturb him. What am I supposed to do? It's okay, buddy. Oh. Uh, so that is where we're going to end off today with Alien Caveman's Ransom. I am... I have gotten some things I wanted, though. I wanted that the aliens were not just, like, nondescript. She actually chose greys, and they're greys, and they have super high power levels. Uh, he moved his finger to Paralyzer, which, of course, was technological, but it's interesting just the same. Uh, all the things I've wanted in the book so far have been here, and I'm happy about that. So... Uh, you can come back in next month. We will be doing the next chapters. I'm going to start labeling C. McBee's very clearly. So it's going to be C. McBee reads and then C. McBee something else and then C. McBee something else. Uh, I'm going to do, I think I've explained this multiple times. My plan is to do a C. McBee reads, a C. McBee deep dive. So I'm going to choose one topic and just talk about it. Last week was the robot apocalypse or two weeks ago. And then I'm going to do one and it's going to be random topics. It's going to basically be taking what Podcast used to be and then internet news and stuff and just bringing in just talking about random stuff. So you're going to get a random episode, a C. McBee reads and a topic that's going to be every month and then one month off so I can start work on other projects. That is the end of chapter four. We will be back with chapter five before you know it. And she's going to survive this. It's interesting that they start each chapter with a name, Sophia, and then like they haven't had another character yet, really. But it would be interesting if they killed her now and then had another character take over as the main character. I don't think this author is brave enough to do that because they've done a lot of like very traditional stuff. I had a conversation with some coworkers the other day, and it's become very clear that if I write any story, or if I'm in charge of any story, my instinct is to kill off the main character or do like killing people off is is to me. It's why Game of Thrones was good because no one was safe and I really liked doing that. So I would kill her. I would actually kill Sophia off and have someone take over as the main character now. But I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. 